and welcome again to the official podcast of the Guitar Department at Berklee College of Music. My name's Ian, and we have another episode of Coffee Talk for you. We've got guitar professor Bobby Stanton with us this week. If you don't know already, Professor Bobby Stanton is a genre-bending, finger-style force on the guitar. He's played with a lot of different sorts of musicians, from James Taylor to Charlie Daniels to Noel Redding of the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Bobby gives some insight about growing as a student in music, about dealing with success, and what it was like to study with the legendary Lenny Bro. As always, a lot of this content will also be available on YouTube, and we have a ton of other great content on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so give us a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you use. Here's our interview with Bobby Stanton. Hey everyone, I'm Kim Perlack, the chair of the guitar department at Berkeley, and welcome to Coffee Talk. Welcome to one more. Um, we've got Bobby Stanton, professor in the guitar department here. We've got Cheryl Bailey, assistant chair. Woohoo! Buddy, happy hey, coffee. Cheers. And Ian Steed, our senior department coordinator. Hey, Ian. Hello. And Matching mugs. Yeah, we all, yeah, all four. Wow, all four of us. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, hey, Bobby, what do you have in your mug there? What do you? What do you well, do? today oh. I'm drinking a beverage composed of uh, turmeric and ginger tea. Ooh. It is really good. It's really good. I mean, I like coffee too, but I kind of switched to this. It's extremely healthy and uh, not a lot to do here during the Does COVID crisis. <laughs> Nope. Does it have some calming properties? It does, the, both of those things. Well, it's mostly um, the ginger. It's not really heavy-duty ginger, but it's pretty strong. But the turmeric is, it's just supposed to be very healthy. Well, Bobby, uh, is that a pre-made tea, or is it something that you, a concoction that you No, make? no, um, I get it from a store. I don't know if I should say the name of that store, but... <laughs> yeah, no, you can never yeah. say, don't mention them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to be paid someplace. <laughs> that's very conscientious of you. Oh, that's great. Um, so, Bobby, one of the first things we generally talk about is tell us a little bit about your first days at Berkeley. And I know you had a number of different first days, so you can choose whichever first days you want. My first I'd like to day, get a sense. My very first day at Berkeley, I... I'm from the Midwest. I'll start it like this. <laughs> and uh, it's very flat there. You can see a long way. They say, if you look at the horizon and squint really hard, you can see the back of your own head. That's how flat it is where I'm from, right? And so I moved from there, a very rural setting. First, I moved to Nashville and I, and I lived there for three years. And then I moved to, to Boston. And the thing is, I was so lost the entire time because, you know, like how New York City is, you know where mm -hmm. anything is, you know where you are. Mm -hmm. But the, how the, the, the signs are and everything, I was just not used to that. So I spent the first day trying to find Berkeley. And so then I had to do the audition and I had uh, one of those PV amps, like a PV, one about that big. And I they said to, that I had to go to uh, Park Street, right? So I went, I got off at the, I got off at the, at, you know, the, the park, basically, down by the combat zone with my PV amp and my oh, guitar, no. and I walked all the way to Berkeley. So that was my first day. It took all day to get there. 
But once I was there, it was like home. I just, I've always loved Berkeley. It was just so wonderful. But that, it was a hard first day for me. Like wow. Hard. My fingers were like this much longer. But I mean, that's, I don't know. That was just because I didn't know any better, you know. What did it feel like on the days that you came back to be a professor? Because that happened to you twice. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, did you have that same sense that you felt like you're home right away? No. How did that feel? Well, I have always felt that way. I mean, I moved here and I was going to move back to Nashville, but I just loved Berkeley so much, you know, because, you know, you know, I spent most of my life trying to become famous or something like that. And then I, I, I came to Berkeley and there were all these people who could be so famous. They were the most brilliant musical minds I've ever met. And they decided not to do that. They, you know, I'm, I'm talking like, uh, you know, uh, John Laporta and Charlie Bonacus and people like that. They were so brilliant that that's what they wanted to do. And they were, they became my heroes. And then that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be like those guys and mm. just be a teacher and be a, you know, brilliant, you know, everything else that I am. <laughs> mm. So talk about that for just a minute as a follow-up, like in your mind, what does that mean? Like, what did what did you choose when you chose, like, to quote you not to be famous, and you chose to be a teacher and a well, professor? What did that open up for you as an artist and a musician and a person? To begin with, is I think it was just meeting people that didn't care about that stuff. They just cared about the aesthetic of music, and and that's all they cared about, and and. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to become famous and do all those things. Um, I don't know, just, I guess for me, it was just, I, you know, I went away and I came back. I mean, the first time I was here and, and I did great, you know, at Berkeley and, and I graduated and I was a big shot in my own room. And, uh, and so then I got a job teaching. It was like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And, um, so, um, I mean, I, I just have always loved it. And, and when I became a teacher, I got, it's like even, even more lessons. You know, I, I've learned so much since I became a teacher because I have to, for instance, this isn't a plug, but I, have you seen this? It's, oh, oh my God. You know how Barry Harris, you can't understand what he's talking about most of the <laughs> on, on YouTube? Is that, um, who? Kingstone. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that. Oh, I'm going to check Oh, my God, because it's for guitar. It's got grids and everything in it. So anyway, that's what I've been doing, and it's like mind-boggling. I can't. This this book has hit me in the head, like, for the last week with falling asleep, you know? <laughs> it's just, just mind-boggling. So it's giving you a chance, then, to just keep learning. To keep learning. I'm constantly learning, and that's, that's all I care about, pretty much. <laughs> so... Oh, that's great. Talking about music. And so if you like music, I mean, it's like Christmas every day at Berkeley. I mean, it's it's like it's you're always talking to the brilliant people with the newest things that are coming out, you know, so like this book, you know, mm. anyway. I mean. So, Bobby, I've always thought of your, your playing as as a, you bring together a tremendous amount of influences. And yet you've really been able to come up with a style that's very distinctively you. I mean, whenever you play on the faculty concerts or people hear you, they go, oh, that's Bobby Stanton. And yet there's so many different things, obviously, that you're excited about learning all the time and you're bringing that together. How do you go about that? Like, what's your philosophy, like both conceptually and practically 
to bring in all kinds of different ideas, but still make them your own? Well, to begin with, it's, it's kind of my job, <laughs> as you probably know, <laughs> um, you know, to, 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 to learn all this stuff. Because I've had, like, for this with this book that I'm apparently pushing, but I'm not really, um, I have a whole bunch of students that are always trying to figure out, what is he talking about, blah, blah, blah. And so we'll watch it. So I, I kind of have to learn, to, you know, what this means and, and be able to explain it to people. And there's this other guy. Now, I forget his name. It's got a G in it. And you know how you play harmonics, you know, like with one one hand or whatever. He plays them with one one hand, like that. Right? I'm doing. I'm sucking at this. But, right? I forget the guy's name, but he's unbelievable, right? And so he plays this stuff that just on, you know, just constant harmonics. And so what I have had to do, you laugh at me, but I took a sharpie. I don't know if you can see. Oh, that. I can see that you drew on the strings. That's where all the harmonics were. Right, so you know you know where they, you know you can kind of tell where they are, where the frets are, but you can't tell with the darn bond down here, and so that's what I have been trying to do all that crazy stuff with that that this other guy is because I have a student who can do it, you know, so I have to figure out how to do it and explain it or something. So, <laughs> so, so that's how I pull stuff in, not not because I'm always forced, but just because I'm always interested in. I think, pretty much, that's mm -hmm. all I want to do. That's great. Cheryl, I'm wondering what's on your mind. Right oh, well, you know, one of the biggest influences on me when I was a kid was the Velvet Touch of Lenny Bro. Oh, yeah. Everything about that recording. Yeah. But but also I, I wanted to say what Kim said too about you have, you are so open to so many styles that come out of you and you've mastered them at such a high level. You know, whether you're playing, you know, the different things with the harmonics, and also harmonically speaking, you know, like because you, you are so fluent in all the Nashville stuff and the and the country stuff. But when you play jazz, you are a real jazz player harmonically. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I would love to know just your thoughts about I mean, not to nerd out on Lenny Bro, but you yeah. would be the person I would say is an expert on it that I could get close to. And, you know, like my understanding of he was obsessed with Bill Evans and it was that thing of putting the third and the seventh on the lower string. But he had that incredible facility. Yeah. He, he really did sound as close to a piano trio as you can. Like two great guitar players playing with yeah. one person. So now, is it true you hung out with him? I know he was, you know, not a stable person and all that, but he was. Yeah. Well, just, he was, about, just whatever thoughts you have about that you can share about. Yeah, when I lived in Nashville, I took lessons from him, and uh, and I would go see him all the time. He used to play at this club, and I kid you not, two dollar cover charge, and you could see him him in a room full of guitar players with their mouths open, you know, for two bucks. And um, so I did that for a while, and so that's that's why i know you know as much as i know and and, and i know like this much you know of what lenny bro knew he, he was unbelievable just a slight aside they just released a whole bunch of stuff i have it if you want it um of new film not film but it, it was uh videotaped of all these clinics and everything it's mm. astounding oh my god it's astounding and it's 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 he came and he would always visit berkeley and he, there used to be a guy at berkeley called bill hill 
he was my English teacher actually, and he was really good friends with Lenny. So every time Lenny came around, who he lived in Maine, so he was around a lot. He would do a clinic, and so you can hear all our, our my old teachers and things at these clinics talking about chords and play all the things you ah. <laughs> it's so cool. So I got all these new things from him. And so on the break, I can't wait. That's all I'm gonna do. I have all these new. Nobody's ever seen these before. I actually. A strange aside, I'm a, a really good friends with Lenny's daughter, Emily. So we were going to go visit Lenny's brother, Denny, who's a friend of mine. And so we went and she had just gotten these from Bill Hill up in Maine. And she was freaking about it. And so now they're out. So you can actually get them if you know somebody. So. <laughs> you know, um, one thing I think that students always kind of ask or want to know about is... Um, how do you become so good at all the things that you're doing? How do you, and how do you get to know people who are going to be like your, for lack of a better word, connections for your, yeah. your life. And I, I think um, one thing that's coming out already from just listening to you talk so far is that you are incredibly excited about learning new things all the time. Like you're just, thrilled about it like you can't stop you know he can't stop and then that joy and that interest is what connects you to other people whether they're farther along and better than you whether or not they may be famous or not famous or you know but it's like you have the connection point literally of what you do and so in some ways your career development is working on what you love to do yeah yeah i'm, I'm not trying to get a record deal um I do have a good record, though, that'll be coming out shortly. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? Because you do have a good record that's coming out. Because yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, people are saying, how do I develop yeah. my musical community, my professional life? Um, and it's something that maybe the planning is more um, working on your craft and working on what you love. Yes? Well, I've, yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Like, like for whatever reason lately and it's like I really never thought of doing anything else I can't imagine me doing something else I would hate it actually I my father had a construction business so I was in the construction business until I left home and I could have done great at that um, but I can't imagine and and I and you know I, what makes me think about this is people are always saying to students well you better get something to fall back on it was like, there's, there's no falling back with anything, you know? And I never thought about something to fall. What does that even mean? I don't care if I fall back, I'll just go get another gig, you know? So um, I just never have considered uh, anything else. And, 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 I, and I've spent my life trying to tell people not, you know, to do what I did, you know, to not fall into that trap because we all know people who should have stayed musicians and now they're, they're incredibly unhappy, you know? neurosurgeons or senators or something <laughs> well you know bobby it's interesting too though because when you talk about someone famous with the i'm putting air quotes for those who are listening right i mean we all know those people and they you know or or we've been side persons for those people and they still get home from a world tour and they're still looking for their next gig it's not yeah. like you know like all of that's a bit of smoke and mirrors yeah as well yeah. And if that is really what's driving you, you're going to be really disappointed. Yeah. You're going to be, you know, like if you don't have that love there and the love isn't and the passion isn't driving you for the for the 
pure experience of it. Yeah. You're not. You're, Amen. You're not going to make it, but. Yeah. yeah. You know, because because people who are who are going for that, it's so it's smoke and mirrors. It goes away immediately. And and the the couple times, like two or three times, I've had the opportunity to be kind of famous, and the thing that drives me the most crazy about that is the way other people are how other people start treating you Mm. i was in a a really good band once and and so people were constantly trying to use me as a connection to get to places and everybody starts getting really phony and every all these other weird people start showing up and so i'd rather just sit in my room transcribe wedding that's really interesting i mean there was one time when i first came to berkeley where i met one of our sort of guitar icon colleagues and um he and i ended up getting really dorky and talking about right hand guitar technique (laughs) and he it was so great uh because he was so interested and he was so and it just shows you like like we're all the same if you're a guitar player you know and all he wanted to do was talk about like well how do i get my a finger to do what i wanted to do and wait a minute like you know and um it was it was so great and and then um when we were finished you know when we, it was time to go he just said you know like this was this was the greatest thing like to come to at least like this is what i hoped you know yeah. to get to talk to other musicians and hang out and and then he had to go do do his um his sort of famous person things and and yeah. um that yeah. was not as much fun so um but i think like everyone has to find their place right so maybe it is Maybe like someone who's listening to this will yeah, maybe. have a career like that. And and then it would be good to know also when that happens that you're still a guitar player and you can still go in your room and be excited about learning new things and yeah. uh, be inspired and, and make some real true friends who are musicians and not just connections. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ian, I feel like this ties into... Um, something that you generally think about in these interviews. Yeah, so there's a question that I ask everybody here. So get ready, Bobby. (laughs) Uh, The the question is, is like, as somebody who's been a student and a teacher and sort of been on all sort of on both sides of the desk, uh, um, what's a thing that you've noticed that if a student comes in there's like a like a blind spot both maybe you've experienced it and then as a teacher you've sort of realized it but like what's something that a student comes in and doesn't realize they should be asking like what's a question that they should be asking but they might not even think to ask exactly that's what we are that's what we're doctors we we look at these people and then we uh we diagnose them and then we give them the medicine you know, play three octave of harmonic major scales, <laughs> things like that, um, you know. And so the, the only thing, I mean, people coming and asking you things, are, are those are just fly-by questions, and, and those that's one thing. But most of my students, I get to know them, and I love them, man. I mean, I have students, they're like my children, you know, and I you know, am in touch with them and I help them on a lot of levels. So there are a lot of the, the hard part that has taken me so long to understand is that there are people on the spectrum, more point, more parentheses, and sometimes it takes me a while to figure out what they don't know what they're learning 
problem is. And so there's things you can say, how about this, try this, try this, or, you know, and try to find out what works best for them. But it's really like being a doctor. Like, it's like, I think being a teacher like this, um, we got to figure out what they need to do. And, and it's not, it's not like what they, what they need to do. That's easy. It's more like why they're not doing it. <laughs> you know, why haven't you already done this? It's just like me. I mean, why, have, why haven't I already done Barry Harris? Um, you know, the people who are extremely uh, successful and talented are, I'm thinking of somebody like Julian Lodge. That guy is a freak. I mean, I have never seen anything like that, the, the way he moves and stuff. I mean, I think if he came, you know, I, I heard a story. He, he, Mick gave him some really hard book to learn or something when he was a student that it took, you know, everybody six months to learn. And he came back next week and had it all learned, you know, and or like Mike, Mike Stern studying with uh, Charlie Benakis. Um, he, he, you know, no matter what you did with Charlie Benakis, he'd say something like, yeah, well, Mike Stern did that like about 10 times faster, you know, things like that, you know. Um, so I'm not sure if I'm exactly answering your question, but, but, but what I think is that it's, it's kind of, kind of like you're analyzing them and you say, how about this? How about this? And, and you, you see what they know and then you see what they're supposed to learn. And then the problem is, it's not a problem, but it's then, then the real thing is motivating them because it's easy enough. Here's the, here's the, the short answer that I've come, finally come to. It's easy enough to figure out what people need to do. It's trying to figure out how to have them do it or what's stopping them from doing it or what works best. Do, you, do I scream at this person? I'm not going to do that. To scare them into, you know, some people that that's what works best or really lots of pressure or no pressure. So that's really the trick for me. Wow, I'm starting to pontificate now. No, I think that's great. That's come up in several of these conversations, like the difference between musical problems and non-musical problems. Mm. Right? And it's usually the non-musical problems. It really is, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, so given that your that's your sort of philosophy of teaching, do you remember specific times either as a student or like later in your career as an artist where you felt like you made a breakthrough? Mm -hmm. Was it in a lesson? Was something someone said to you or an experience you had? Like, could you choose one or two of those and sort of take us through? Them? Okay, okay, I have a great one. I was such a smart aleck, right? Um, you know, so I knew this song. I'm embarrassed to play this in front of you, but. Like everybody thought I was so wonderful in in my my room full of people, and so they and so somebody said oh, play this. John Laporta came in, so my one of my heroes. And he said play this for John, and I totally choked. You know, I could not play, and this hardly ever happens to me. I, I, was, it was, I was having an out of body experience, laughing at myself. So he said to me, and it was a huge moment. He looked at me in the eyes. He said, "Get over yourself." <laughs> so every time I start feeling like I'm going to choke, I think, get over yourself. And I laugh a little. So wow. that was a big moment. And then there was one with Bill Levitt. He, he looked up from his smoky. I said, how am I going to learn all this junk? And he looked up from his smoky, you know, in, in room. And he, and he looked at me and said, Bob, there's only three scales. Harmonic, you know, harmonic minor, harmonic, I mean, melodic minor and major. That's all you need to know. You can play anything with that. And I thought that was a big breakthrough, too. So, uh, okay, um, I want to go back to the first one. <laughs> because that's so interesting, like what what John saw mm -hmm. is something like he saw into something that people generally associate with the opposite problem. Like you think like when you choke, it's because of insecurity. Yeah. But when you choke, 
it could be that you just need to get over yourself and you need and to get what, over. Yeah, yeah what you're trying to project right yeah it was just i i don't know how it was just a big moment you know mm -hmm. i have a question on that thing because you play so much solo guitar um play with me but i mean in and this could be in though not necessarily for solo guitar but i always just feel that is a discipline to you know sit down and whether it's from memory from beginning or you're improvising or mixture but anyway do you do you ever experience performance anxiety or nerves or and do you have a process to deal with that or or was it just that sort of getting snapped out of it stayed with you that you can call that up wherever you go but because yeah, i think this is a really big issue for our students and yeah. and it, you know when i've talked about with students or whatever they're like oh that's a really a thing <laughs> So it's. I'd love to hear your thoughts or how you work with your students on that. No, I, I teach ear training one as well and talk about choke. I mean, they have to wave their hands and sing solfege syllables. I mean, you know, I mean, it's got to be stressful. And so I've spent a lot of time on that. And what, I've, what, what has helped me a little bit is understanding what it is. It's a fight or flight response, which makes total sense, you know. Um, and the thing is, you the, the big fear is that you're being judged by everybody, right? Quote, unquote, get over yourself. You're not being judged by everybody to begin with. It's all in your head. But it's a fight or flight response. So what happens is you start sweating and you start, you know, getting ready to either kill something or run away from something that's going to kill you. So it doesn't really work very well for music. Depends on the game. Um, so it, just knowing that, you know... Um, <clears throat> Uh, just knowing that information, that that's what it is, I can kind of step back a little bit and and uh, um, and look at that. And the other thing is, we have a mutual friend, I think, Eva Effabenica, uh, yeah, and she's great at this. She'll 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 take a breath. She if she feels nervous or something, she'll just take a huge breath and go and just look at the audience. You know, I don't know if I could do that. I always have to make jokes or something, but. And she does that, and it totally calms her down, and she, she can play. So there's that. That That's a good one, is the breathing exercises for me if I do that. But the thing is, it never ha I mean, it never comes up where you think it's going to. Um, I, I played a radio show that was intergalactic, this big radio show, and so um, it never happened um, that I would get nervous. But one time, for what no reason, it's like, oh, my God, every person on the planet is going to hear me playing in a few seconds. And it's like, uh, so I was freaking out. And the things that I used were, were breathing, and then I also had the, I could look back, look, step out of myself and say, what an idiot, what are you doing? You know, kind of laugh at myself, and that helps too. Right. So the best thing is to not care. <laughs> you know, I've seen yeah. you do that. I've seen you do that, like, on stage when we do the faculty concerts. You'll be sitting there, you'll have your guitar, and you'll say hello to everybody, and you'll say, oh, well, you know, I don't, and then you'll just play this kind of remarkably deep crazy thing Weird. especially when you play like you'll play something really beautiful and then you'll play something incredibly fast and so it does seem to work for you that you 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 know how to use your time before you play to check in with your body yeah and move around or let some tension go and make sure you have some breath in your yeah. in your lungs yeah that's it. It's it's a physical thing, and if you're having a physical response where it's not even necessary, so um, yeah. There's there's the humor part of it as well. I mean, 
I, I do laugh at myself when, when this happens. It doesn't happen very often anymore, and, and I think the reason it doesn't happen is because I'm really confident in what I'm about to do. I played whatever song a million times, and so I'd have, if people were shooting at me, I'd still be able to play. That's the game we're talking about. We won't try that. We're not going to test that. No. It's like <laughs> uh, Ian, what's on your mind? I actually remember there was a faculty concert uh, where that exact thing happened. And there was like a delegation of German diplomats in the audience. Do you remember that? Yes. I remember that was like, that was like terrifying. We were in, um, we were in uh, David the Friend. David Friend Hall. Yeah, and, yeah they uh, all came at the last minute. The The whole delegation, the entire German par parliament de delegation to the UN was in Boston and they all sat in a row and they were almost dressed the same. And it was right at our faculty, and, it, and that concert was packed. It was huh. packed. And so it ended, because of the German delegation, it ended up being like standing room only. <laughs> I know Cheryl's laughing because like, it sounds silly to say that, but. And then like, oh. it was, remember we had assigned Max and yeah. uh, Camilla to, from the work study, these great young musicians had to like communicate with them and, uh, yeah, I remember exactly that concert. Yeah, everyone was kind of like, like, holy crap. Like, usually, like, we have this concert for, like, students and other faculty members, and we all just go like, oh, yeah, great, cool. But then there's, like, all these, like, you know, suited, stone-faced, like, German diplomats in the audience. And then out comes Bobby Stanton, and you're just like, oh, okay. Here, I'll just play the guitar. And you just, like, destroyed it. And everyone in the audience was just like, holy crap. And then all these German people were like stone faced and they were just like, yes, yes. <laughs> and then they filmed, they were filming it. You know, they're remember that? They filming it. Oh, yeah. I wish yeah. I were more in touch. I would have said, calm down. We are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. We hadn't had a UN delegation before. That was great. To do that. But like your sense of like humor and sort of, uh, uh, sort of casualness about it really just brought the energy like right back down to just like, no, this is cool. I, I don't know any better. <laughs> um, speaking of quotations, my band, I have a name for my band. It's Bobby Stanton and his so-called friends. Oh, oh, I like that. There's my so-called friends. So, see. so is that the new record? Is that yeah. with that band? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Actually, what there's a whole bunch of people on the record, but this is, it was going to be uh, just before the COVID, I had gigs lined up and rehearsals, all this stuff. And then, oh, well, we'll take a vacation, I guess. Yeah, that's great. What kind of tunes do you have on there? Uh, it's a variety. I have a couple of kind of bluegrassy tunes, you know, that stuff, but most of it's pretty hardcore, you know, jazz stuff. Uh, Anthony, you know, Anthony Cox, that bass player, he's my best bro and he's, he's on, he's the bass player. So it's that kind of kind of stuff you know i have a question for you um you know coming from your student days at berkeley and those associations now i know john laporter was one of your teachers and we've had some amazing conversations about his philosophy but um you know some of those connections that you still have today professionally so thinking about those times at berkeley the people that you really ended up with you know your mates you know your buddies that you end up playing music and then how that moves forward with your career 
and it, it's, it seems like you have a strong connection to a lot of those folks till today. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're just nice to people, you know, then you just as your life goes on, I mean, I have as many students that I that are now famous or whatever are completely connected as I have had friends. Um, one of my friends uh, was a guy named Tom, Sh oh, Tom Shimshack. Tom Shimshack was my teacher. Tom Hanbridge uh, was a, you know, a friend of mine, and we were students together, and we wrote songs, and we were in a band for a long time. And now he's pretty, he's a pretty big producer and stuff in Nashville. So it's just strange. I mean, uh, here you are hanging out with somebody, and then they're like famous, you know. And it's just if you're, it's really networking, being nice to other people is hugely important you know in our business you know if you're a jerk everybody finds out and being a jerk is worse than not being able to play most of the time you know can you talk a little bit more about what the networking in the way that you just described it mm -hmm. um, because I think you're really talking about building good relationships with people as opposed to this artificial thing that people think like oh it's who you know and I want to make sure I know the right people um, you're talking about something that's a little more organic and holistic, aren't you? Yeah, friends. I am. I have a friend uh, named Daryl Scott. If you know Daryl Scott, he's. We just played in a lot of bands together here. And Daryl Scott, he, he's big songwriter now. He plays. He's in a band with uh, uh, Robert Plant. That band. So he's. I mean, he just plays with everybody, and. Um, and we were just good friends. And so he, we agreed on the same thing. It's like how weird people get when you start to get famous. And so he got really famous. And so he doesn't have that many friends. He's got a lot of acquaintances that are trying to use him for a connection, but he doesn't have, I'm still his friend. He texts me all the time, you know? So, and we've always had that relationship. So I think it's just really about building relationships. You can try to just be the business, you know, person and, and, and do all that stuff. Most of the time, people like that are annoying to, you know, to people, you know, but so you can yeah. do that. And, and some people are really successful at that. It sounds like I'm really dissing it, but I, I mean, some people are really successful at that. My friend Tom Hambridge is really good at that, um, but um, he doesn't play music as good as me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd rather do that. I keep going back, don't I? <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, there's always something that it seems like there's always something you're getting into. Yeah. Oh, man. That Lenny Bro stuff. I can't wait for the break. It's oh, that's so good. phenomenal. I'll show it to you. It's it's indescribable. It's the if if you like the, the Velvet Touch, it's it's like three times that level and he's improvising it on video and laughing. You know, he's just I can't wait to do that. <laughs> All that stuff. Well, Bobby, what's your advice to students who come to Berkeley and love Berkeley because they can do a bunch of different things? Like, what's your practical advice to them in terms of like approaching different things, but also making sure you're going deep enough? Yep. Follow your bliss, as, as Joseph Campbell would say. <laughs> that. Um, but the thing is, just you have to be a musician, or probably a person, I don't know other than musician stuff, but um, you have to be flexible. You have, life is going to, today, this minute, you're going to get, you know, confronted with a, a set of decisions you have to make. And so you have to make that decision and slowly, slowly, you know, you make those decisions. So when I moved to, to uh, Boston to go to Berkeley, I wanted to write strings. I wanted to learn how to write strings, right? 
think of that with me, you know, think of anyway. And because in recording, because they used live strings everywhere. Well, shortly after that, synthesizers were invented or something. And so those people were all, all out of work. And so I, re I realized I really didn't like all that classical junk anyway. Um, string hey. I, I, I love classical music, my guitar, but I mean like writing strings and, and, and that weird stuff. Um, uh, it wasn't quite as interesting to me as playing like Lenny or some, something like that. So, so you have to kind of follow your own thing because you're always going to get, uh, you know, confronted with a set of, you know, circumstances you have to decide what to do in and then whichever way you go. And if you hit a bump there, then you got to go this way, then you got to go this way and you just make it through. That's right. Amazing. So your foundation ultimately has to be super strong. And so that should be grounded in what brings you back to the instrument all the time. Yeah. Because my favorite thing to do is after I'm done with this, I'm going to go back into this book because I just started reading about minor two fives. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid, I know. No, it's not stupid. It's amazing. That's really great. Um, that's great. Ian, what else do you want to know? Oh, Cheryl, you've got something. Well, I was going to say, yesterday we did a coffee talk with Guy Van Duzer, who's also huh? a Joseph Campbell. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he quoted some Joseph Campbell. So, um, But anyway, you know, he said something really funny. He said, yeah, when you look back at your career, it looks like everything was so perfectly planned out. When really it was you in this way, say, following your bliss or following your passion and your um, convictions. Yeah. And, and having a lot of faith. That's what my friend Gene Bertoncini always says. It's an act of faith. But, yeah. you know, looking backwards, it goes, oh, yeah, almost like you you figured that out. But you were just yeah. doing your thing, right? Yep. That's it, isn't it? I mean, I was just yeah. talking about that. I lost a gig. I really, It was a really good gig, and I really wanted it. And somebody else got it, and they suck. But because I didn't get that gig, then I got all these other great things in my life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And there have been different times, too, where things on the surface – at least for me, didn't seem like they were working out. But there was something about what I was doing where I was like, you know, I know this sounds crazy, but I believe in this. Like, I know this is it. And yeah. then it might not be happening right now, but something has to come from this. Yeah, yeah. The only consistent thing between all successful people is that they persisted until they became whatever it was they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Right? Successful. So... That's it. You just have to have the, the vision, I think. And you know, the vision changes a lot. I mean, for me, I go, I go, oh, that's great. That's not really what I wanted. And then, you know, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. Ian, what are you thinking about? You've got that look on your face. Oh, I always have that look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's interesting. I guess I, I really relate to that. Like, you know, kind of floating around because I, I, I think, I think in that way, I think so many of us who have come to Berkeley, we love so many different kinds of music, yeah. but also like having both very particular, but also very broad tastes. Right. And yeah. I, I took your Lenny bro lab actually. I, that, I love that yes. class. Yeah. And, you know, I remember it was like, you know, you had to take us through all different kinds of 
you know, ways of playing the guitar, you know, from to get to get to, get to the, be able to explain what. Lenny yeah, is. yeah. And it's like, it's all good, whether you're, you know, you're looking at like, you know, um, like a Charlie Christian or, or Bill Evans transcription, or you're looking at Elizabeth Cotton, you know what I mean? And to like, take these two disparate and um, sort of unrelated seeming worlds and then put them together into something that like respects both traditions really is like, it's both fascinating. It's like, I think why we love, you know, music like that, but also I think it like kind of embodies a lot of the music that we sort of pursue here at Berkeley, you know? That's it. We're in this, in this pool. This, this is the most, rare pool in the world you know it really is um bobby do you have to that end do you have advice for us as we're trying to manage the ship you know um from your perspective what should we be thinking about do you think um who, who uh, the guitar art department. yeah like me and cheryl and ian like oh. just us just us in the coffee talk oh no no just stay healthy oh my god that's all it's like all i worry about is somebody getting sick and and here getting a letter or something that you know you're gone or something i just that's all you just stay healthy it will look almost through this it's yeah. as far as driving the bus like guiding the ship uh or whatever Jeez, I don't know. You're doing such a good job. Um, I um, I would have to think about this. I mean, I, I I always I tell you the things I want, and then you just either say that's crazy or else we do them. So I mean, I don't. <laughs> uh, well, to to then to your point, um, what are some of the things you're doing to stay healthy and to stay positive in this time of? adaptability and transition and all through the pandemic like do you have advice for the people listening about just kind of from your perspective what you're doing this is this is going to pass this is going to go it's like let's without getting into too much detail you know you can't create that much weird karma and not have to pay for it so so this is going to end at some point and our lives will return to normal and so if I had advice to give anyone, I would say do what I'm doing, which is I'm playing 12 hours a day and I'm learning so much crap. So that keeps me mentally healthy. And, and also I have, a, I, have a, I have exercise implements that I exercise and I, tr- and I try to be healthy yeah. physically as well. So if I can be healthy physically and play guitar 12 hours a day, that's it. I don't care about anything else. <clears throat> well, that's... That sounds like a pretty good way to almost wrap it up. Um, Cheryl, you have any uh, final thoughts there? Uh, no, but I thanks for sharing all your excitement and joy for learning mm-hmm. and for teaching. You know, it, now I'm like, okay, what am I going to study today? Is that I know. Yeah, yeah, that Barry Harris stuff. That's the very- that so crazy. I, I just, I, you know, I just want to take my guitar and show you. Look at this. Oh, you know, if you, my friend Ronnie Ben Hur. Do you know Ronnie? I I'll know this. you guys because he he went to New York to, specifically to study with Barry. And anyway, I'll hook you guys up. You. Oh man, it's just so hard to, you know, he's he's. I understand he's railing against the philosophy of two five two five two five forever, and so he has all these different weird names. So he doesn't call the. And he doesn't call the two, he calls it the important minor chord. It's like, what? And he doesn't call it a two, he calls it a one, six, one, a five. It's like, what? You know, a D minor on a G7, anyway. 
It's so oh. different weird names for the stuff, but then then it's the grids, I'm telling you. You can try I've been trying to figure that junk out online forever, but it's got grids, my God. You know, it's oh my God. you just figure it out immediately. You just go, Oh, that's all he's talking about, you know. So excited. I'm yeah. getting out my notebook and my listening list and my guitar after this. I'm like I'm really excited. Can you believe we have a whole month? We have a month. We have a month oh, to know. practice. This is amazing. Coming up. Yeah. Um, and no gigs outside. I mean, I love gigs. I wish well, I had, but it's always like sequestered or whatever you call that. Cloistered. It's an opportunity, I think. That's kind of a nice thing that I'm hearing you say. This is an opportunity to really go deep. Yeah. And maybe work on some things that you wouldn't have a chance to do because yeah. you're playing out a lot. Like, what what could you do? Yeah. You can draw. You can draw lines on your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> underneath because you put them on if you draw on top then you wipe them off with your finger but if you write them underneath you gotta see this guy i'll send you a link he's unbelievable okay that sounds great ian what are you thinking about here then no yeah that was just that was just really fascinating i want to i want to go shed too (laughs) (laughs) it's like just i mean when you're fueling this kind of enthusiasm for working hard with this much coffee i think it's like the perfect combination. Amen. So, all right. Well, in that case, we're all going to go practice, and we're going to the library online, and we're going, going, uh, going deep. So, um, reading some Joseph Campbell. Thanks for reminding me to always. Oh man, the power man. of it. Amazing, Bobby Stanton. Thank you for thank being you. our guest on Coffee Talk. This has been Coffee Talk with Bob Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Uh, And we'll see you next time on Coffee Talk. I'll see you. I miss you guys so much. Miss you too. (laughs) Bye-bye.